Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. challenge 
in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. This was Dr. Lee Robertson's life's verse. If you ever signed your Bible, he would sign Romans 8, 28. If you have it there, I want you to read it aloud with me. You may be able to quote this verse, but let's read it together. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Think about this. I want you to write a few things down tonight and consider this. Number one, the conviction of this verse, and we know, and we know. There's some things, obviously, many even, that we don't know in this life. But there's some things that we do know. The Bible says back in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Think of that. There's some things we don't know. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to put it in words. But even when we can't put it into words, God hears, he understands, he interprets, as it were, the groanings of our heart and our spirit from within. The Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf goes before God the Father and essence says, Lord, this is what he's trying to say. This is what he means, though he can't say it and put it into words. I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit ministering to us and through us in this life. It says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't always know what God is doing, but we can know that God is God and he is at work, and he knows what he's doing. We know that he takes all things that he allows into our lives and works them together for our good and his glory. Some of us need to go back and live this belief, this understanding, this conviction that nothing can come into my life that is not father-filtered. Everything that happens in my life must first pass through his hands of permission. Things that God allows. The devil couldn't touch Job unless God allowed him to. And so as we think about that, whatever God's allowed into our lives, we can trust him with that and we must. Otherwise, we waver. We're tossed to and fro. We become double-minded even. And a contradiction unto ourselves and miss what God is trying to accomplish. Underline this. And we know that's a certainty, that's a conviction, that's an assurance, that's a settled fact that God is at work in our lives. We know this. He's not left us alone. He's not left us just to wander on our own. He's not just somewhere busy helping everyone else too preoccupied to concern himself with us. That's not the God of the Bible. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good. Underline that. That's the confidence that we have in our God. Our confidence. He says here that all things work together for good. Underline that, all things. We're confident that God is sovereign, that God is in control of all things. God is providential. God is working and moving 
in this life. God is not just existential, meaning that he created things and let he lets them just simply move or operate on their own. No, the Bible says in Psalm 113 that it's God who humbles himself to behold the things that are going on among the children of men in your life and in my life. God knows who we are. God knows where we are and God knows what we're facing and God is working providentially through circumstance and situations that we could not ever imagine to bring about our good and his glory. Amazing, isn't it? Joseph would have never thought that. One writer said, after all that Joseph had gone through, it's a wonder he had any faith in God left at all. But he did. And after his brothers did all that they did to him, you know what the Bible says? As he dealt with it in faith, you come to Genesis 50, and you read this, you meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. You were trying to hurt me, but God allowed it to happen because it was his way of helping me. You tried to frustrate that which I shared with you, that dream, that vision of what God had said. You tried to stop it, but actually you helped facilitate it by not only rejecting me, but selling me into slavery, into bondage, getting me down into Egypt to get me here to where God could put me in a place, having this opportunity to prepare for this great famine and then using that famine to get you here. You meant it unto evil, but God, I don't know who's working against you. I don't know who's talking against you. I don't know who's striving with you. I, I don't know. But we all have that in some degree or another. It's impossible in this fallen world but that offenses will come. Trouble, trial, that's just the human dynamic, the uh, hard uh, fallen man. It, it's there. It's, it's not only present, but it's apparent. It's obvious. It's something that we can uh, see but certainly, if we can't see and understand altogether what's going on, times we sense something's just not right. There's tension there. God wants us to rest in this, that all things, underline that all things. What is the one thing that you're going through right now that you're grappling with that is a part of the all things of Romans 8.28? This one thing, well, I believe all that, but I don't know about this. I mean, this is an unusual situation. And it seems unique to me or peculiar to me. Well, see, God is not only sovereign, he's not only providential, but he's personal. He's at work in your, in your life, in your life, in my life. That's why we should love him. That's why we should submit to him. I love this great poem that William Cowper wrote, one that struggled, oh, how he struggled with the Lord's working in his life at times wanting to take his own life. And yet he wrote these words, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep and unsearchable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. 
Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings upon your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. But God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. We have to trust the providential workings of God in each of our lives. And we know that all things work together for good. Work together. In and of themselves, they may not be good or pleasant or desirable, but when worked with other things like when you bake a cake or you make biscuits, you've heard that, and all the different things that you use, the ingredients to make up a nice tasting cake by themselves don't taste good, but mixed together produces something that does. And so God is putting these things, adding these things in our lives just in the right proportion as he sees fit, and we have to trust him with that. We see the conviction of Romans 8, 28, and we know the confidence that all things work together for good. And then we see the calling, the calling of Romans 8, 28. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if you'll study this, the book of Romans is about the justification of God by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The just paid the sin debt, the penalty for the unjust. He was our propitiation. He was the offering that fully satisfied the righteous wrath of God. And now by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're brought into a right relationship with God as his righteousness is exchanged for our unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? God has imputed to us the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's placed that upon our account. And now when he sees us, he sees the righteousness of his dear son. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, as I think about it, I look at myself sometimes and it's easy for me if I'm not careful to just look within and see my sin because I remember it. But when God looks at me, he sees his son. Isn't that wonderful? He's not looking at my sin. He's looking at his son. And that's what God wants us to rest in. But think about this. As this would unfold here, the Bible says, who are the called according to his purpose. We love God. We know God. Now think about it. This is not something that applies to just anyone. This is to the people of God, the called of God, called unto him to be like Jesus Christ, to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Everything following comes out of that word purpose. There's a purpose. There's something that God is doing for his children, for the called, those who are called out unto God by faith in Jesus Christ. And no man can come unto the Father except the Father draw him. And this is for the family of God, the people of God. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Christ being our example. 
Christ being the perfect example for us. God has predetermined that his ultimate purpose for each of our lives is Christ-likeness. All things working together for our good and his glory means that he's making us into the image of his dear son, his mind, how he thinks, how he sees things, his heart, his compassion, his empathy, his concern for others, his spirit, a spirit of graciousness, a spirit of grit when needed, conviction and compassion melded together. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's our Savior. And God wants to work that into our lives instead of uh, a spirit of fear and doubt and weariness, wavering, uh, just continually uh, leaning toward or dabbling in temptation, all those things. God is trying to shore that up as he's calling us unto himself to be more like his dear son. Aren't you thankful for that today? God is at work. Oh, how the Lord wants us to know that as he saw us ahead in time through his foreknowledge and his predeterminate will, the Bible says in verse 30, moreover whom he did predestinate, then he also called. There it is again, underline that. The calling of Romans 8.28. Who are the called according to his purpose. Then he also called whom he called. Then he also justified. There it is. Justified. Justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. Declared innocent. Not guilty. Righteous. Through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And whom he justified. Then he also glorified. Do you realize that God already sees us seated with Christ in heavenly places according to Ephesians chapter 1. We're already glorified in the mind of God and one day we're going to realize that because we're going to exchange this old body this weary frail body for a new glorified body. We're glorified by faith in Jesus Christ. Oh how we should glory in him. What shall we say? Or then say to these things, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? If we could get a hold of this. God is for us. He's our heavenly father. If he loved us when we didn't know him, we we're alienated by our sin. How much more? If our earthly father can give us good things, how much more shall our heavenly father give good things to them that love him? Oh, think about it. Back in verse 28, to them that love God. I don't know what you're facing tonight, but one thing you need to ask yourself, and I believe many of us can say, Lord, uh, you know my struggle, you know my shortcoming, you know my fault, but one thing I can say as best I know in my heart tonight, I do love you, Lord. I do love you. I do know you. I am saved. You have changed my life, and in my heart, I do love you, Lord. Please help me. Sometimes when you feel so far from the Lord, you just come full circle and rest in his great love. Not only his love for you, but at some level, for those to know him, we know is to love him. Lord, I know that you know that I do love you. And I'm glad he takes us where we are like he did with Peter there in John 21. Remember? When Peter denied him, his love wasn't fervent as it once was. He took him where it was and he fanned the flame. He's able to do that for you and for me. What a wonderful Savior we have. 
Oh, the calling of God, this calling of unto Christ-likeness, this calling unto victory. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? You see that? That's the heart of God toward us. If someone would give you his own son, is there anything he would not give you otherwise if you really needed it? God cares for you as his children. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Would you underline that phrase? It's given repeatedly. The Spirit maketh intercession for us, back in verse 26. You see, if God be for us in verse 31, Delivered him up for us, verse 32. Again, you read in verse 34, who maketh intercession for us. For us. I've served a long time now. And I've had some who I thought were for me, but ultimately were not. Let me tell you this. God will never go from being for you to being not for you. I'm not for you anymore. I'm not with you in this. I'm against you. Aren't you glad that God is for us? And if God is for us, who does it matter that's against us? Ultimately. If God be for us, then who will win in the end? God and his child who's faithfully believing him, trusting him, and endeavoring to do his will. May God help us to rest in that, knowing that there's nothing going to separate us from the love of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? What a calling that we have, a calling to victory, a calling to this confidence, to Christ-likeness, a calling to just a steadfast security in the Lord, knowing, the Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? I mean, he's trying to cover the whole uh, length and breadth of things, even its depth. As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, convinced beyond doubt, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful, isn't it? May the Lord give us a great conviction tonight. This is something I know. I know that all things work together for good. I am confident in that. I'm not defeated. I'm not depleted in my spirit. I am courageous in the Lord because my confidence is in him. Be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Confident, that means to be fully persuaded by the facts. I've looked into it. I've studied the promises of God, the character of God, the track record of God. He's never failed. His word has never been broken, never fallen to the ground without being fulfilled all the way. So I'm confident. I have total assurance 
that God is with me, that God is for me, that God is working on my behalf. That is my calling to be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in this victory that God has given and to have this assurance that there's nothing that can separate me from him. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? So I ask you, are you living a life of contradiction or confidence? Someone said when we turn away from God in our hearts, we begin to sin. If we truly know the Lord, we become a contradiction unto ourselves because on one hand we know what's right, but yet we're choosing to do otherwise. But then when we do, we know that the Holy Spirit's grieved and yet we're trying to silence the Holy Spirit so there's that warfare going on within. I think we'd all do well tonight just to surrender to the Lord in you and say, God, help me to trust you and help me to obey you. I want there to be clarity in my own heart, this, this conviction, this confidence, and uh, this understanding of your calling and what you are doing in my life. I wrote this, I wonder what is killing us slowly. Not just things physically, though that, that has its place. But I wonder about our spirit, our mind, our confidence, our courage. If we could put our finger on it tonight, even the Holy Spirit would, to help us to see it for what it is, to get out in front of it and just deal with it. Can you imagine how God would bless that if we could go from just surviving to thriving? I'd love to thrive in these days. Don't you want to thrive in these days? You say, is it possible? Oh, it is possible. Because if God's our partner, if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's so many things I could worry about tonight. I get all worked up just like the rest of us. But I'm praying that God will help me just say, hey, listen, there is a God in heaven and he's in control. He is sovereign, he is providential, and he is personal. He's working in my life and I have assurance of that based upon the promise the clear teaching of his word and I'm just going to trust in the Lord God helping me I read this and I thought this was really amazing and just summarizing in closing perhaps you've heard of a man by the name of Aaron Ralston, does anybody recognize that name? Perhaps you heard of it years ago in April of 2003 he was hiking a boulder fell over on his arm, 800 pounds, ultimately took 13 men, a winch, and a hydraulic jack to move. But before they would ever show up, he laid there five days trying to lift this boulder. Altogether, 127 hours, he was pinned underneath this 800 and he had a decision to make. So how many of you know who I'm talking about now? All right, you know who I'm talking about. He had a decision to make. And uh, as he was there in the mountains of Utah, as this boulder became dislodged and, and pinned him there, in all this pain, in all of this solitude, in all the different things, 
that could have happened there. It came down to this. Here's the reality of what I'm facing. I either lose my, my limb, my arm, or lose my life. And so he made this decision that would break the bones in his arm, would apply a tourniquet, and then would grit his teeth and cut it off with a dull multi-tool. And that's what he did. Now, when I read this, I thought it was amazing. He not only cut his own arm off, freeing himself, but then he rappelled down a 65-foot wall and hiked over eight miles to get help. Now, when I'm preaching a message like this, we think that all things work together for good means it's all going to turn out the way we thought. But sometimes, see, there's a depth to what God sees as good and is blessing that is far greater and deeper than what we see. Because this man could have lost his life. Do you see that? So the choice between limb or life, the limb had to go. And as this writer highlighted this story, he talked about this decision he had to make. It was to acknowledge the facts or ignore the facts. The facts were the boulder weighed over 800 pounds. He was not going to move it. He was alone deep in a canyon. He knew no one was there. He was out of water, was out of food. Simply put, he would lose his life or he would lose his arm. He acknowledged that these were the facts, so he made the decision to save his life. This writer said, you may not hike through the canyons of Utah alone, but every day you have a decision to make. You can acknowledge the facts about where you are in all the areas of your life, physical, uh, relationships, your work, your finances, the realities, the facts of where you are, and you can take action to do what is right, to do what is best with the wisdom and the grace of God, or you can ignore them. And think that they'll just fix themselves. They'll just all work out uh, with no effort on your part. You could live a lie and you could stay trapped. And I believe that's where some live today. They're trapped in a situation that God would help them out of. And it may, it may cost them in ways they're not rather than seeing the bigger picture and the gain, the reward greater than the cost, they're not willing to deal with it. They're willing to stay trapped. And they misunderstand this verse and they say, well, all things work out together for good so I'll just lay here and then if I die and I go to heaven and uh, the Lord says, what are you doing here? He says, well, Lord, I thought that somehow you would get me out from under that boulder. And the Lord says, there are times when you ask me for wisdom and you have to be willing to do see that? So we're not at the mercy of just some kind of fatalism. The 
providence of God, the sovereignty of God is not whatever will be, will be, and whatever it is, we just have to kind of accept it. No, we have to do our part. We have to ask God for wisdom, for grace, at times grit. God, help me to do the right thing, the hard thing, but the necessary thing. And God will give us that grace and that grit that we need because we can trust him. Thank the Lord we're not left alone. And if you're in a difficult situation tonight, you're struggling, ask God to give you wisdom to know what you should do. And ask him to give you grace and faith to trust him for what only he can do. See, that's where we're to live tonight. In that place, rather than being a contradiction, I know what's right, but I'm not really going to do it. Rather than living there, live in this tension of, well, Lord, help me to know what I should do and then what I should trust you. There's always going to be some tension in life. You're just going to have to decide which realm you're going to live in, which realm of tension that you will embrace. I'd much rather embrace that of the Lord, trusting him. He's sovereign, he's providential, and he's personal. And oftentimes he uses the natural to accomplish the supernatural. That's what we were talking about yesterday up there in the hospital with Brown and Benjamin. We pray for the doctors that God would give them wisdom. We know God can touch her and intervene just like that without their help. But oftentimes God uses the natural means to accomplish the supernatural. And all I can say is this, is however God wants to do it, I'm willing, aren't you? I'll do all that I can by his wisdom to do my part. But in my heart, I am trusting that he's with me, that he's guiding me. And he's working these things together for my good and his glory. All of God's people said, let's stand. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.